So, uh, right now, we're in the middle of future questions. Uh, we're about seven lines from the bottom. Can you sell something that doesn't exist? We're so used to these things where people sell future profits and future trading. But uh, the question is, something has to be somewhat tangible to make a transaction. It has to exist. So, there's a concept like this, that um, if a slave gets injured by an ox, there's a penalty. You've got to be more careful. If your animal's wild, you better control it. And the slaves usually took care of the animals. Those are the ones that uh, were out there in the fields taking care of the animals and doing the, the labor. And so uh, there is a concept that if somebody's slave is injured, uh, there's a special penalty that the owner of the ox has to pay. So what about if you uh, feel you've noticed that in certain areas that a lot of slaves seem to be getting injured? And it's a good gamble for you. You want to offer the owners of those servants money to get the penalty that they would get. So you're not buying the slave, but you're buying the future penalty money that they may get. If, you, uh, if your slave gets injured and it's by an ox and the owner has to do a payout, I want that payout. Uh, so I'll pay you some, a little bit now for that possibility of the payout later. Would such a deal work? And uh, just like you, we were talking about, can you buy half a slave? Can you buy just the rights to the penalty? That is the question right now. Eboilahu, six lines from the bottom on uh, 42b. Eboilahu, a servant whose boss, whose owner sold him, he didn't sell him, he sold his future penalty. So does that work? Mokor enu mokor. Is that, can you back out? If something's not tangible, you're not obligated. You could say, I made a mistake, I want my money back. So the Gemara answers, well, there's a famous debate about dealing in futures. The debate is between selling future crops that come out of a tree, of an orchard. So, you can ask the question like both opinions. says, no problem. I can sell you something that's, I'll sell you the Brooklyn Bridge too. <laughs> but well, I'll, that exists. That exists. Oh, you're right. That's right. But uh, not in my, not, not the ability to sell it exists. But I could sell you the fruits that come out of the tree. Uh, so I, if, according to that opinion, I could sell you future fruits, why can't I sell you future penalties? The Gemara says, but that's payros, decal, the fruits of a date palm, the avidi diasi. That's, you can expect that. That's reasonable to expect that those fruits grow every year. They'll grow this year. But over here, who said that this ox is gourd? There are those people that look and say, oh, that's an accident waiting to happen. That servant doesn't look both ways when he's out there in the field. So this servant, who said he's going to get gourd? And even if he is get, getting gourd, Maybe it won't be an injury. How do you know? How do you know you'll catch the owner and you'll get him to pay and everything? Now, there is one other caveat, that penalties only happen if the person tries to, uh, it, did it on purpose and tried to get away with it. But what happens if he's a good ox owner and he's not a hit and run? He stops there and makes sure the servant gets medical attention and he says, I admit it, my ox did it. So actually, he doesn't have to pay penalty. He has to pay damages, but he doesn't have to pay penalty. So how do you even know there'll be a penalty? I mean, you have to get a bad guy to get a penalty. If he's not a bad guy, if Dilma, perhaps, a motive of a mifter, maybe he will admit. Now, Rashi just says, 
he's got to do that before the witnesses show up. Sometimes people, when they know they're in trouble, all of a sudden they apologize to the court and they're sorry and this and that. Let's look at the top Rashi. Dilma Moda Bebezdin, Koda Madas Edim. He's got to run the Bezdin and say, yeah, I did it, it was my ox. And he's got to do it before the witnesses show up, and then he won't pay the penalty. So even like the view that you can deal in futures, that's just expectable futures. But over here, who said the ox is going to get gored? That's a big, uh, a big maybe. And who said that if he gets gored, that the owner is going to be guilty and have to pay penalty? Maybe we got an honest owner that's going to go to court and admit everything ahead of time. So... That's one question. Viti boy, and you can ask this question like the other view, even the view that said you can't deal in futures. You can't deal in futures. I can't sell you the fruits of a tree. They're not here right now. I, I can't, now, you can do anything you want, but it's not binding if it's not here. But over here, the ox is here. Baha'i Koyevit and the servants here. So this actually is not, it's a future, but it's, it's here in the present. The ox is here and the, the, per, the servant is here. Maybe you could sell that. Maybe it is real. So am I. So that is the question. But we still have absent the, the event, no? Correct. But the, uh, the partners, the, uh, the, the guilty, participants. the participants are here. So you could ask this question like both opinions. Would this kind of future, the future potential penalty, be something you can sell? And again, you could sell whatever you want, but the question is, is it binding? Can the person back out? Is it a Kenyan? Is it, uh, is it something that's, uh, that would work? So, Omar uh, Ravaba Toshma. So let's see what we can do to prove this. And we're going to end up getting back to our 50-50 guy real soon. Okay, but anyways, it says like this. Filide bias. Uh, there it talks about a servant... Uh, born in a the house. There's, ki- there's two kinds of servants. The servants that you buy and the servants that are born in the house. They, you're, if, you're, if your servants have servants, then they're yours. My time and Lomer. What does it come to tell you? Now, uh, whatever, if you buy a servant that, and you're a Kohen, the servant's allowed to eat Ruma. Now, if, um, and, uh, if some, a servant that's totally non-Jewish and that's totally not connected to you, but you buy it, then it becomes yours. You lead it by his local shikane. Certainly a servant born in your house should be able to do it. So our question is, why does the Torah need to tell you both kinds of servants? So the Morris says, I would have said, The reason that you can, it can eat is because it's worth something, and, you know, what your money is you. Uh, and so, therefore, that's an extension of you because it has value. Anything of yours can eat. I would have said also, any servant that's born to you that has value can eat. What about if it's, it has no value? It can't be sold for anything. It's coming to tell you as long as it doesn't make a difference if it has a value or not. In other words, something that you own, or even if you don't own it, if it's born in your house, it can eat. Whether it has a value, What's an example? Of ah, we'll give it, we'll give it, okay, yeah. Kenyan kesev, Kenyan kesev, If you buy something and it's worth some meat, ain't bosheva kesev. It wouldn't eat. Tamalomar, Kenyan kaspo, but you lead it by. Those are the two things. 
someone that you buy and something that's born. My Yelide buy is the one that's born. Alpha Pisha Enu Shavaklum. Even though it's, it has no value at that time, you couldn't put that slave up for sale. Uh, it can eat Af Kenyan Kaspo, something that you buy. Alpha Pisha Enu Shavaklum. Even though it has no value, it can eat. So, um, again, the the question here is, uh, you have different types of servants, those that you buy and those that you own, and we have a drusha that tells you that uh, if you might have thought that you have to own it in order for it to eat, uh, you have responsibility to it or own it, and if it has no value, then maybe it can eat, and we're saying that makes no difference. If you want to say, Evid Shemoko Rabo Kanas Mocher, a servant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're talking shrubah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you want to say, Evid Shemokh Mokhor, if you want to tell me that if you, when I sold you the rights to uh, future penalties on that servant, um, and that's a value I can sell in any servant, that any servant has worth money because you can always sell future penalty rights. Uh, so me ika abdo the lo misdavin the kanas. Every servant has some value because you could always sell him, uh, even if he's a, not a very good servant. Uh, even better, he's likely to get in an accident. He's not going to follow instructions. More value after an accident. <laughs> uh, correct. So, um, so uh, again, we jumped into a a gemara which discusses which servants are considered yours. Do you have to have value in them? And we learned out that it doesn't make a difference if it's born in your house or you buy it, it doesn't, uh, you doesn't have to have value. But our question is, doesn't every slave have value? Because even if they're not worth the money that you feed them, you still have, you could still sell the potential penalty rights that they could bring in. And from the fact that we don't say that, doesn't that seem to prove that uh, there aren't these penalty rights? Because otherwise, every servant has value. So Gamora says, uh, in... There is a servant that wouldn't have penalty rights. What would that be? Ika avde trefa. You have a servant that's not going to live very long. It's not very healthy. He's treif. He's torn. He's so since he's uh, uh, you don't pay penalty because he's going to die soon. You only have to pay penalty for a healthy slave that got injured. But if the slave, anyways, was a ticking time bomb, he pre-existing it, conditions. what pre-existing, pre-existing conditions. conditions then you wouldn't have to pay. Did you do an autopsy? How would they know? How would they know? I don't know. That's a good question. He's retarded. Mentally yeah. retarded yeah. or something goofy like that. So, the Gemara says, but even if he's, um, even if he's trafe, he's not going to live long, how cousin will make him come back. But he still is able to do something. He can, uh, he can be a greeter, or he can do something. So the Gemara said, but manuval mucheshkin. No, maybe he's a manuval. He's, he's got a disgusting illness. Um, or, uh, He's got, he brings down that Rush and brings examples that uh, these are trafers that can be seen. They're either uh, a, a leg issue, a knee issue, uh, a membrane. He said he's capable of doing light service, but that's it. Uh, okay, thank you. So, um, so the bottom line is we thought we were going to bring a proof uh, that if there's a future value, it doesn't seem to... Uh, how could there ever be a slave that doesn't... Couldn't you sell it for the penalty... And our answer is that we're t- we might be talking about a slave that isn't going to live in the future very much. So, um, but uh, the Gemara says that uh, 
Um, and so maybe there, there is no penalty value because it's not likely to live long enough to get penalty. And it's a, um, uh, you wouldn't pay for taking the life of this slave because he, his clock is ticking anyways. He might, he might be more uh, prone to Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, can, I can give you a no-brainer answer. It's, uh, how about somebody that has an obvious terminal cancer and um, is rehabilitated and um, their time is not long? But it's interesting. I mean, but Gemara seems to recognize that even someone who has a very limited future has a current value. In other words, it, it comes mm-hmm. up with somebody who's a mukashin. In other words, he's not he's not fit even to be you know a, a, a greeter. So, mm-hmm. so Gemara does recognize that he has some limited current value as long as he's alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wonder why that wouldn't be offset by the fact that he's more accident prone, probably. Right. So right. That you'd like the liability, you know, to the potential. Uh, yeah, but he's talk, here. We're talking about the Evid being the victim. What you're saying is true. He's more likely to cause a problem for somebody else. But here, right. he's, he's being bored or he's being damaged by, I mean, he by some other. Yeah. yeah. Let's do. Let's do a quick Rashi or two. Uh, four lines from the top. Uh, even a servant that you buy, even though he's not worth anything, he became, he got a disease and his limbs are falling off. So he's not, you can't sell him. Nobody's going to buy him. So Morris says, what do you mean you can't sell him? Somebody will pay you a pruta. He's worth a penny. He's worth a, so Morris says, why can't you sell him? That if he gets gored, you'll get thirty silver coins. That's big bucks. So the Morris said, "Betrefa shein mishamad alav kanas." If the person who's gored was terminal, you don't pay penalty. De gabra katolahi. He's a person that's a ticking. He's not going to live very long. So the Morris says, "Vachaz he'll make him come elishor, so he can still salute attention, be a greeter." Alpha pisha nektik ravul amalim and akudas as Richard said, even though he's missing his leg above the knee. Or his brain. I don't know. I guess you would know if he has a hole in his head. Roy Lishira's call. He could still do something. So Morris said, no. But Manuvo de Mois, he's disgusting. You can't. Not only is he disgusting, he's also terminal. The Lav Bar Kanasu. You wouldn't pay a penalty. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, even if he has no value, but he costs you like $10 a, a week to keep him up to him, so he has a value to you not to have him, maybe. Could be. Um, but we said before that you can put the food on himself. Go feed yourself. Um, you know, you can, you can tell him, all right, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, you got to go have a garden or something. you got to go feed yourself. But I was wondering that. Is, um, okay, moving on. Next question. So we, we just threw out the question whether that you could sell the future penalty of a servant and we tried to bring a proof from that case over there where it mentions that a servant, even if he doesn't have value, and we're saying, it's, it, it, how could that not exist? If you could always sell potential penalty, then you always get a penny. You'll always be able to sell that. Every servant has value. And we answered that there are certain servants that would not have future penalty. So that's not really a proof from there whether or not you can sell future penalty. That issue is not fully resolved as we go on to the next issue. Okay. Back to the Gemara. Next issue. E boy lahu. Let's have another boy. Uh, let's get back to 50-50 guy. A person who's a half slave, half free. And so we said before, he really can't get married. 
because he can't marry a slave because he's half free. He can't marry a free person because he's half slave. But what if this, and so we said the rule was uh, that we require the master to free him so he can get on with his life, so he can at least be a free person. But let's say the master didn't yet free him, but he knew that, uh, you know, sometimes legal matters take time. They had, uh, they had a court date to get his freedom papers, but it, he didn't have his freedom yet. And meanwhile, he falls in love, and he knows the woman who he plans on marrying once he gets free. But he's afraid that she's, uh, she's not going to wait for him. Yeah, they all tell me that, that they're going to be free. Uh, I'll believe that when I see it. So what he does is he proposes to a woman, a free woman now, and she accepts. So he gives a ring, but he's only half eligible. So is she, is she married to that half or not? He gets engaged to a, uh, a free woman. Um, so the question is, is that a marriage proposal or not? He got half engaged. So is he half engaged? So is she stuck? Is she married to him? Does she need a divorce? What's the deal? So the Gemara says, well, there is another case. Ben Yisrael. What, let's say you have a whole Jew who says to a whole woman, his kachu lechati mikudashis. Um, he says, get engaged to half of me. Uh, he says, I'll marry, I'll, 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 I'll marry half of me. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know why he would say such a strange thing. But it works. Uh, because in theory, she could be married to all of him. But over here, he, he only, he's not fit to marry all of him. Half of him is a slave. So even if you want to say over there it works, in this case it wouldn't. And if he would try to get engaged to half a woman, it wouldn't work. Because he's not fully marrying all of her. You can't marry half of the woman. You've got to marry the whole woman. Over here, whatever is eligible is getting engaged. So would this be good or would this not be good? Can the 50-50 guy get engaged? So, Toshma, come in here. So let's try to bring a proof to that. Hey, Miss Misha Chetze Eved Chetze Ben Choron, we said before that if the 50-50 guy gets injured, so there, there's two people, he gets killed. He gets killed by a wild ox. And this ox was, uh, the owner was warned beforehand that this ox is a, uh, a wild one. The Shoramoid. So the rule is that there's penalty owed to the owner of the servant and to the heirs of the servant. So, you pay half the penalty to the owner, and you pay half the value to his heirs. And if you want to tell me he can't get married, how does he have heirs? So clearly he must be capable of getting married. So, Amar Bar Abba, no, I'll tell you an interesting case. Maybe he's still alive, and the ox gored him, and what does it mean you, you get paid? It means you pay him. <laughs> Who are the heirs? It means him. And in other words, really, a servant can't get married and have kids because he's only 50-50 guy. I, what does it mean that you pay his heirs? It means that you would pay him. And it, I, what do you mean pay him? He's not dead yet. The answer is, though, but you gave him a mortal injury. So you might as well, you know, so you're, you know you're going to have to pay so he can collect. So, I got two reasons 
that I don't like that explanation at all. One, first of all, the your shove katani. It says heirs. It doesn't say him. If, if you pay him, it should have said, give him the money. Va'od koferhu. Um, it also says, um, we're talking about a penalty money. You've got to wait till the guy dies to give him the penalty. So it's not something that you pay while the guy is still alive. You've got to wait till the ox gores him and then he dies. You don't, you're not ob- the person isn't obligated to pay until he actually dies. So we don't like that answer at all. So you have to say, Roy Lito, if he had an heir, then the heir would get it. But he doesn't have any heirs because he can't get married. <laughs> so we don't have a proof from that case. We were trying to prove in that case that uh, there is a potential way to have a kid, and we're saying no, that's no proof from that at all. It just means w- if he had an heir, would he get? That was a, a, a theoretical question. <laughs> Next, Amarava, Kashem Shemakadish Kati He says, just like you can't marry a half woman, just like, I'm sorry, just like if you try to marry Hamakadish Kati Isha, it won't work. If a woman who's half slave, half free, gets engaged, that also can't work. And kedushin, kedushin. Half, you know, it, it, it's got a, a marriage is a full. It's a total, total obligation. Dorish Rabba Barhuna Kashem Shemakadish Kachi Imigadashes Kachat Shifka Kachat Baskorches Kachi. And he said it doesn't work. Omer Leiruchista Midami. I don't see how you compare those two cases. Hasam, the reason why you can't get married to half is because of a concept of Shire B'Kinyano. You're, you're not fully acquiring everything. You, you have to commit to her. You can't commit to half of her. You're, you're lacking in your commitment. Whereas if only half is available, lo Shire B'Kinyano, you're making a full commitment to whatever is available. So, Hadar Ukim Rabba Barhuna Amorala. Rabba Barhuna said, give me a speaker. In other words... He realized he wanted to change what he said, so he got the broadcaster, called them in the to teach the class, the Dorish, and he said, This is a, a uh, it's a Pasuk that talks about that people stumble, that there's a mikshul. A mikshul is a stumbling block. And it says that people have a stumbling block. Um, this gave me uh, uh, optimism, because it said a famous rule, Ain't Adam Omid al Torah. You're never going to learn Torah unless you stumble first. Meaning that it's, uh, the only way you can come to learn is by attempting things and then learning that you make mistakes. And that's part of the learning process is to, uh, that, that's why it's called the Makshay Lazos. So here also he meant that you're right, I made a mistake. Even though you can't get married to a half a woman, we say, no, you got to marry the whole woman. But if you were to get engaged to the 50-50 lady, then it would work. My time, oh why? If you could have married the whole lady and you're only willing to marry half of her, you're missing something. Here you're not leaving, it, uh, you're, um, you're not leaving anything out. So you could get engaged to the 50-50 woman. So I made a mistake, you're right. Omer is Sheshis, he says no. Kishem Shemis Kaddish Kahijin, just like you can't marry half a woman, Katsakatish, Kavzibet, Skorches, Kaddish, and Kadushin, Kadushin. It won't work, he argues. I mean, Nikshim Omer. But you might ask a question. It doesn't the Torah talk about the 50 50 woman? Ezi Shifka Karufa. What is the case of the maidservant who's engaged? 
Shechetzi Shifka, she's a half maidservant with Chetzi Baskorin. Hamur said that she's engaged, Levin Ivri, to a Hebrew servant. What do you see? You see she could get engaged. It, that's an example. That's the case. Amalo Klake to Rebbe He said, go to Rebbe He'll explain it. Shu Amar, Beshifka Kananis. We're not talking about a Jewish uh, 50-50 lady. We're talking about a Hebrew maidservant, Hamursel Evid Ivri, who's married to a, uh, a, a Hebrew servant. He learns that the Shifka Harufa is not a woman who's half free, half slave. Uh, the reason we're talking about somebody who's a total slave, but she's engaged to a Jewish man, her Jew, a, a Hebrew and Evid Ivri. Um, and so. And that's the reason why she's like sort of uh, somebody shouldn't have relations with her because she's promised to a Hebrew servant. Wait, these are different owners? Each of those two people are under different owners? Or yeah. The same mm-hmm. owner? Different cases. Different owners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Gemara says, Veshifka Kananis, but how could a Hebrew man be engaged to her? So let's hold on for a second. The Torah speaks about um, a man having relations with... A, a, a shifra charufa, a maidservant who's promised to somebody. And the Torah says that he needs atonement for that because she's like a married woman. Now, he doesn't get killed. It's not adultery because her commitment isn't full, but it's sort of a commitment. So we don't know what that case is. So Gemara is saying, isn't that a case of 50-50 woman? And you see that a 50-50 woman can be engaged? So Gemara's answer is no. It's not a 50-50 woman, a half engaged, half free. Really, we're talking about a total shiksa, a total Canaanite, I shouldn't say that, it's Canaanite, a total servant. So then our question is, a Canaanite servant, she's not engaged at all. But sometimes you get a Hebrew servant, and you want the Hebrew servant to have like half-Jewish kids that are, uh, uh, and you tell the Hebrew servant, I want you to take the Canaanite woman. And so then the Gemara said, Oh, my Slameimah, my You know what it means, Moreses? It means designated. It means that if you promise her to a Hebrew servant, you tell her, well, don't take any non-Jews right now. You should designate yourself to the Hebrew servant. So, and the hachanami mureses, amyuchedes. This is what it means. It means that they are, um, it would be, the non-Jews have something like this. If somebody has a, a girlfriend or whatever, they're supposed to be committed to each other. I think that the word they use is committed. So it doesn't mean engaged. Really, you can't marry a non-Jewish servant. Aye, the Torah talks about a non-Jewish servant being engaged. It means committed. If she was committed uh, to one person and then they broke that commitment, then they're in trouble. Um, why, does that, why are they using that as a proof that she's chetzi-chetzi? Oh, so the answer is she's not. She's fully non-Jewish, but she's committed. Oh. So then our question was, how could she marry a Jew? Right. It would be a Hebrew servant. Okay, so this is not a proof for anything. Really right, that's the answer. It's not a proof for anything, right. <laughs> we thought the only case we could come up with was a 50-50 guy, and you see you can half right. get half married. The answer is it's not a 50-50 girl. It's talking about a 100% servant, but a Hebrew servant who was in a committed relationship with her. Right. They're almost trying to twist like a suffix kind of a thing. Correct, that's right, that's right. Let's see the Rashi's, two lines from the bottom. Um, Right, correct. Mm-hmm. So he's allowed to marry her. What's the problem? It's not marriage. He's not married to her. 
Uh, he's just given to her to have kids. He's her stud. So We're Correct, correct. We called it moresis, engaged, and we're saying really it just means muchedis, um, which means like uh, they are promised to be uh, committed to each other. Um, I think our society has similar words. Let's try Rashi. Moresis, every two lines, kananis, gemura, baskedushin. Could you marry a 100%? See, the Havamina was it's a 50 50 girl, and you prove you can get married to a 50 50 girl. So Gemara says, no, we're talking about 100% shifka kananis. So Gemara says, can you marry such a woman? Hai chamura bialma. She's like a donkey. Arma doma la chamur. There's an expression that, the, that, that it's like a, what we call holiness, marriage is a holiness. You can only contract a marriage between two Jews. A Jew and a non-Jew is like a person married to an animal self, just like two animals. It's not a real commitment. So the Gemara answered, no, muchedes. So it, it, just because she promised that she was only going to have one boyfriend, and just because her boyfriend, the Hebrew servant, uh, was only going to have one uh, maidservant. They committed to each other, whatever. That's not called marriage. So why should anybody get in trouble if she takes another person? She's, she's not really bound. So Rashi explains, maybe the Torah is telling the Mechaiva la Asham, anybody who has relations with her is going to have to bring an offering, because she was designated for him. So anybody that takes, you're not supposed to do that. If she was designated for another man, um, uh, what comes out is, is that even though there is a concept of giving a Hebrew servant a maid, it wasn't done in like a random way that, uh, that they had, to, nobody knew who the mother was and the father was. It was like a designated kind of thing. This is your wife and, you know, this and that. This is your study, so to speak. Okay, back to the Gemara. Um, actually, this this is another example of how the Dafyomi uh, actually relates to the Zman, the idea that she's compared to a Hamar. So that's very reminiscent of Bilam's relationship with, with his Asun. Uh-huh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Omer of Kista. Not exactly with Shiva. Uh-huh. Yeah. So now the Morris says, all right, let's say you got the 50-50 woman. And she gets engaged to Ruvain, Vinishtachra, and then she gets total freedom, and she uh, decides she doesn't want to marry Ruvain, but she likes his brother. And uh, when these two brothers find out that this woman is like half engaged to each of them, they both die. And now they have a third brother, Levi. So she was half married to she was half engaged to one brother and half engaged to the other brother. Uh, can Levi do Yibam or not? Uh, Levi can do Yibam as we turn the page. We have a concept that you can't do a double Yibam. So the Morris says, why? Either way, the reason why is the following. Either, she's, either you can marry a 50-50 lady and she's married to the first brother. Then she's not married to Shimon. And if she's married to the second guy, so we don't know if it's marriage or not, but it's, it's either to one or to the other. We learn, she gets engaged to Ruven, and then she's freed with Kotz and and then she gets engaged to Shimon. 
She's no longer promised to the first guy. He says the opposite. Now she becomes fully married. So what happens when you free the other half? Is she like a new person and, and she's no longer whatever she committed to as a half-half person that doesn't, it's no longer binding her and now she's a totally Jewish free lady? Or the opposite. Now that she's free, her commitment before expands. These must, the, the two brothers must have died like instantaneously next to each other. Right? Yeah, perhaps. Okay. Because uh, no, if, if one died first, then Levi's uh, Yibum would be half to her. Definitely. Right? And so now, and then the next Shimon dies, then Levi would do Yibum, and then he would be 100% to the, to the Hetsi Hetsi woman. I didn't think about that. That's a good point. I'll have to think about that, uh, what you're saying. Okay. He's, he's asking the timing of it, of the two yeah, brothers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and or they, if they died at the same time, then it, that makes it easy. You don't have to debate. Right, right, right. But if they died at different times, you're right. It definitely complicates the matter. Omar of Zerika. So who's right in this, uh, the 50-50 lady that then gets free? Does she become more engaged or not? Omar of I'm probably right. It implies that the lady that has relations with a different man while she's a maidservant won't be killed because she wasn't freed. But had she been freed, then she would have become 100%. The story was she was engaged, but she was still a half-servant. So we say we don't treat it as full adultery because she still was in that servant mode. So according to the view that it was a Shifka Kananis that was engaged to a Hebrew servant, Hachanami, you could say that the Kihufsha, had she been freed, Yamusu, then she would have been a Jewish woman engaged to a Jewish servant. But Elam uh Ella uh Hachanami, the Kihufsha Yamusu, Ella, Mayasuklameimar, uh but if you learn the case was that um uh she was a fifty fifty woman, Shekhufshu she was engaged, Vakhosovinizkachu, uh um if she was engaged and then uh, she got her freedom and then she got engaged again, let me read this again. I lost my momentum here. According to the view that the Shifka Harufa is uh, what we said before, where it's a totally non-Jewish woman who's uh, designated to a Jewish man. So Hachanami, they're also the Kichufshu. Had she been freed, and uh, then Yamusu, then she would be killed because uh, then there would have been a full, uh, she had a, had she had a full marriage, then it would be adultery. But right now she's not a, a Shifka Kananis, so it's not adultery. Um, but what if you learn the case is that she was partially freed and then she got engaged. And then she got fully engaged. I'm still not reading this right. Let's try the Rashi. Hachanami. Um, Rashi's Hachanami. Hachanami. Hai Chosha Basar Erison if she had gotten, been freed after she was engaged and then had relations, she'd be killed. Viki Kedushin Rishonim was the first marriage anything? Um, so our question is, um, I see. The, the Gemara is asking a question. 
Um, I, I, I understand that. I don't know that you understand. I, I understood the right. Let's take a look now in the Gemara. Omer According to the Tanu Bei who learns the case was that it's not a 50-50 lady. The case was a Shifra Kananis who was totally engaged uh, to a Hebrew, uh, was dedicated to a Hebrew servant. Do you mean to tell me that had she been freed, she'd be killed? They, they weren't engaged at all. They were just designated. So you have to say that she got her freedom and then, and then he got, after she got freed, then he went and made it official. Here also you could learn the case is the end of the day, uh, what we're trying to say is that there's no inference from here. We have the case where the maidservant is, uh, somebody has relations with a, 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 a maidservant who's engaged and we're trying to infer had she been freed, then you would have been in real trouble. But our question is, why would you be in real trouble if there wasn't a complete marriage? The answer is, we mean, had she been freed and then recommitted once she was freed. And since that's, the, you can't infer anything from there. We, our debate was, when the Torah says that you would have been in real trouble, it would be real adultery with this woman had she been freed, does it mean had she been freed as is, you'd be in real trouble? Or had she been freed and then free to pursue a full engagement? you'll be in real trouble. So since maybe it means had she been freed and then fully committed, uh, that's where we mean you would have been in trouble. So there's no proof from there. Next. We forced the master and uh, he had to make her free. Who's that? Like like Rabbi Yochum Barucha. Now, our question was, we had it when the man was 50-50, you got to make him free. And we see over there that it applies to the woman. Why? Do Omar al Shneim, they both have the mitzvah. Yeah. So this Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka is just like Beishamai in reverse. You know, Beishamai said it originally when it was a man that was half. And now right. the only difference is this is a female. Now that's a big difference because many people hold women aren't obligated to have Puruvu. It's only on the man. So does this prove how could this only, does this prove that that opinion is correct? It's a machlokis, whether women have puruvu. So Omer Narbar Yisda, he says, no, you got the case wrong. The problem, you know why you're forced to free a woman who's 50-50? Because lo minig hefker noigubo. Because uh, it's, a, it's a recipe for promiscuity. And so people, uh, she can't marry a, a, a servant and she can't marry a, a Jewish man. So in the end, people uh, uh, took advantage of that. And so the reason you got to free her is you got to allow her to have a respectable relationship. And so, um, so correct. That's right. In other words, with the, the, so uh, it's not clear that she's obligated to have kids, but it is clear that we don't want her to be promiscuous. Okay. New Mishnah. If a person had a Hebrew servant, which, and I'm sorry, if a person had a servant that got a bris and worked in his house and uh, accepted mitzvahs, and then you put him on the slave market and sold him to a pagan, now you got to give him his freedom because you're not supposed to do that. He goes free and you're supposed to... Um, if he runs away, you've got to give him his freedom. The first master 
has to uh, give misfreedom. That's if you didn't, you need papers if you never wrote an ono for him. Oh no, it's, what does ono mean? If you wrote a document called an ono, that's the same as freeing him. So Gemara says, what does it mean, ono? So that you write for him, if somehow, answering Richard's question, if somehow you get free from him, I'm not going to, I have no more connection to you. So basically, um, uh, he's, he's telling him, I'm putting you up on the slave market, but uh, I, I don't have any claims on you. I, I can't afford to keep you. He's not supposed to do that, but uh, it's a penalty, really, that um, uh, the, um, the, the, uh, we don't want people selling a, a person who's agreed to serve Hashem and had a bris milah and kept Shabbos and been in a Jewish house who's a half-Jew being sold to non-Jews. Um, Let's say you borrowed money uh, from a non-Jew, loiva olav, you and you loaned money on your servant. Um, you have a Jewish servant, and you borrowed money to the non-Jew, and you said, "Here, you can come take my servant if I don't pay you back." And the non-Jew knows that you're not going to have money to pay back, and so he comes to your farm and he uh, uh, he puts his nemusu um, on your servant saying that he's going to be mine, I'm going to pick him up next week because you, you didn't pay me the money. So once this servant has been like promised to a non-Jew, you better free him. So what exactly is Namusu? So Amr of Hunabar Yehuda, that's a Nishki. A Nishki, there's a Rashi here, Nishki is this Chosem Avdus, Shetol Lavadim, but you put it around their neck. It's like a chain around their neck. An ID, yeah. The, yeah. The, the South, I think they used to brand them or something. Uh, but it was like, uh, so basically what we're saying here is if a Jewish servant is given a, a pagan ID because he's soon going to be picked up and given over, then he, then he, you have to give him his freedom. Mesa Rishesh is, Rishesh is a question from the following. What happens if in the land of Israel... You have sharecroppers or different kinds of financial arrangements or, um, or a Jewish field that was used as collateral to a loan to a non-Jew. And so basically non-Jews own these fields. And um, uh, even though the field, uh, even though the field uh, has its namusu on it, Petura Minamiser, all of these fields you don't have to miser because it's like they have non-Jewish ownership. If you want to tell me that the nishki is uh, um, the namusu, means the necklace, the, the chain around the neck that you put on a servant to prove he belongs to a non-Jew, you can't put a necklace around the field. It must be, it's like a sign of some sort. You can pop a sign on there just to identify the, the field, right? This is just the necklace that's going to identify who they... they Correct. Yeah, that's the... Uh, so um, that you're you're giving an answer that 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 we'll have to see if that uh, that answer. But right now the the Gemara is, is asking this as a question. Doesn't it prove it's not a nishki? It's certainly not a necklace. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, that's so el zman. It just means that it's like a uh, a time frame that the non-Jew says I'm coming next week. Uh, that I'm taking possession next week. So kasha zman zman. 
Uh, so sometimes it's considered like it's owned by a non-Jew and sometimes it's not. So the Gemara says it depends. If you reach the date, then it belongs to him. If you don't reach the date, it's not. But if the servant was actually time for pickup by the non-Jew, so obviously then he could be given his freedom. Really both time the cases is, no, he didn't reach the time. And you could still pay him off. Uh, and we'll have to leave this case uh, for tomorrow. So we're in the middle of a complicated case uh, that we, um, uh, where you had a servant that was promised to a non-Jew, and we learned that there's a penalty when a servant is given to a non-Jew. Our question is, is there something in between where he's like ready to be collateralized, where he's ready to be picked up, he puts the necklace on, uh, that, then he gets his freedom because like imminently he's going to be given over to a non-Jew. Thank <laughs> you.